Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Indeed, glorious, glorious day. Said, uh, said at the hill, it's still true now, not long to go. <laughs> the second coming of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is imminent. Any moment now. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and gather your bride, Maranatha, with all God's people through all the ages we say. Come, Lord Jesus. What a glorious day. Friends, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord God, your word says that men are like grass and their glories are like the flowers of the field. The grass that withers and it falls. But the word of the Lord stands forever. This morning, Lord God, we stand on your word because it is faithful and true. It is sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. And we, your people, Lord God, we want to glorify you with transformed lives. And so we ask, Father, would you teach us your word today? Would we understand it? Would we believe it? Would our lives be transformed by it? For your glory. For your glory alone. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. This morning we continue our series through the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. You can turn to Philippians chapter 2. Um, if you're visiting with us and you don't have a Bible, uh, you'll be able to read it behind me. If you come regularly, you I'm hoping have a Bible on your phone or in your hand. Attend to Philippians, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. We've been working through this book over the last uh, few sermons. Uh, we come to the second to last sermon in our series. The final sermon, the wrap-up sermon, will be this evening. This evening, if you want to hear any of the previous sermons... You're welcome to go to our website. Ryan does a great job of getting uh, the various different uh, sermons online there. Uh, www.central.org.za Have I waffled enough? Have you found the place? <laughs> okay. We're going to read from Philippians. And we're going to start at chapter 1, verse 27. We'll read through to chapter 2, verse 11. To honor the reading of God's word, as many as of you as are able... Would you please stand as I read from the Word of God? Friends, hear the Word of God. I read to you from Philippians chapter 1, beginning at the 27th verse. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So, if there is any, any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, this morning I'd like us to begin as we go through the sermon right at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 beginning. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And when he was finished, the Lord saw everything that he had made and behold It was very good. The Lord commanded the man, the pinnacle of his creation, whom he had created in his own image, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Instead of obeying God, Adam rebelled against him. He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God cursed Adam saying, you will return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Ever after, sin has been passed on from generation to generation. And death through sin. 
And so death has spread to all men because all, all have sinned. The rest of the Bible is like a graveyard filled with tombstones. You get to Genesis chapter 5, and for instance, you read of Adam's death, his son Seth's death, his son Enosh's death, his son Kenan's death, his son Mahalalal's death, his son Jared's death, Methuselah's death, his son Lamach's death. The Bible is a graveyard of death. Death upon death upon death as the human race suffers the curse of Adam's original sin. And we know death, don't we? Death visits us too. Our husbands, our wives, our parents, our children, our friends. All who are born in the likeness after the image of Adam die. Death is universal. It stalks all of us. Death is inevitable. It visits all of us. Death is personal. It will come to all of us. The Christ entered into this world of death. His nature was peculiar. Angels declared him to be Emmanuel, God with us. And he took on humanity as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. His birth was peculiar. He was born of a virgin and so did not inherit the curse. His life was peculiar. In every respect, he was tempted as we are and yet he was without sin. And friends, his death was peculiar. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because of his peculiar nature, his peculiar life, his peculiar birth, and his peculiar death, the death of Christ is the death of death. Amen? Death can be a scary topic for most people to talk about, but it shouldn't frighten Christians. The power of death has been conquered. Death is like a bee which has lost its stinger. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For Christians, 
Just like the grave could not hold Jesus, the grave will be incapable of holding us. For Christians, because Jesus had victory over the grave, we already have victory over the grave through Him. And so this Resurrection Sunday, I want us to consider four responses to the death of death in the death of Christ. The first response is this. God exalted Jesus. God exalted Jesus. And I'd like us to see it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, just the first half of that verse. Let me read it so we have it in our mind's eye. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Just that far. Let me read it again. Therefore God has highly exalted him. Let me tell you what this is saying. Because Jesus took on humility. We saw that on Good Friday. Because Jesus died in humility. God has exalted him. For Jesus, the way up is the way down. His condescension or his humiliation has resulted in his exaltation. The way up is the way down. Now that's a principle that we see all over Scripture. Let me show you a couple of places. The first one is in Matthew's Gospel. You can write it down, chapter 23, verse 12. Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? We know that well, right? Um, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prays thus. God, because they have those funny voices and they want people to hear them. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men. Extortioners and unjust and adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast, imagine telling God this. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Can you see that the way up is the way down? James writes it like this. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Peter, last one, says it like this. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. 
The way up is the way down. Remember the humiliation of Jesus on Good Friday. The journey downward. As we went through that passage of Scripture, we we had three points. The first was this, that Jesus did not hold on to his own glory, verse 6. The second was this, that Jesus laid aside his privilege, verse 7. And the third was this, that Jesus humbled himself to the cross, verse 8. So too, the exaltation of Jesus is a journey. It's a journey upward. It has four steps. The first step is resurrection. On the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. The second step is his ascension. After 40 days, Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. The third step is his coronation. Jesus Christ has been crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And the fourth step is his intercession. He presently stands before the Father as our high priest. Friends, in application, Paul says that we're to have this mind among ourselves, which is ours in Christ Jesus, verse 5. And we rightly say, Paul, what mind? And the answer is a humble mind. We looked at that on Good Friday. But the implication of this verse is that when we are willing to humble ourselves like Jesus Christ, God will lift us up like God lifted Jesus Christ up. Practically, what might humbling yourself look like? And what would it look like for God to exalt you at the proper time? Let me give you some examples. It is by giving that we receive. It is by serving that we are served. It is by losing your life that you find it. It is by dying to self that you truly live. Friends, this morning I'm hoping that we see four Resurrection Sunday responses to the death of death in the death of Christ. The first response is that God exalted Jesus in the first half of verse 9. The second response is this. God has exalted the name of Jesus in the second half of verse 9. The second half of verse 9. God has exalted the name of Jesus. Take a look in your text together with me at the second half of verse 9. It says, And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Because Jesus took on humanity and died in humility, God has exalted his name. Names are important to God. On Thursday, 
uh, Jews for Jesus came and we listened to a presentation how the Passover points to the Christ. Uh, most of the presentation was, was obviously from the book of Exodus. Fun fact. Exodus in Hebrews is names. That's uh, what it's called. It's, it's names in Hebrew. The whole book of the Bible about names. Names are important to God. We see that right from Genesis all the way through to the New Testament. God changed Abram's name to Abraham. God changed Sarai's name to Sarah. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. God, Jesus, changed Simon's name to Peter. Names are important to God. Jesus had many names and many titles. Yeah, in this text before us, God gives him a new name. A name that is above every name. Now the new name which God has given Jesus that is above every name is not the name Jesus. Because Jesus was a fairly common name in Palestine. Note that this is not a name, but the name. This is a particular name that God has given Jesus. The name that God has given Jesus is at the end of Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. It is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now you say, but that's not a name. That's a title, isn't it? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verse 11 is a quote from the Greek translation of Isaiah Chapter 45, verse 23. You might want to jot that down. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23. Let me read Isaiah 45, 23 to you. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. That's what Paul is quoting, except Paul has modified the quote so that the end reads, and every tongue should confess, Jesus is Lord, instead of every tongue shall confess to God. The Greek word kurios, which translates Lord in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, appears 15 times in the Greek translation of Isaiah 45. And this is so interesting. When I, I, was, I was prepping, I discovered this and, and was looking at it. My eyes just got big as I was reading through the Septuagint. It translates the Hebrew word for Yahweh 15 times in the chapter as Lord, Kurion, Kurios. Yahweh is the personal name of God. It is the covenant name of God. Paul is saying Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. On the evening of the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. But Thomas, you will remember, one of the twelve wasn't with them. The other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. 
He said, in doubt, I will never believe. Challenge on. Eight days later, Thomas was with them, and, and Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And the climax of the whole book of John is, is Thomas's great declaration, his triumphant proclamation, his victorious revelation of the name, my Lord and my God. And it's staggering. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus is Yahweh. Believer, how do we respond to this? We worship our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, even in this life. We join that great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, and cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Worship Him in this life even as you will worship him forever and ever in the life to come. Exalt the one whom God has exalted. This morning, I'm hoping that we see four Resurrection Sunday responses to the death of death in the death of Christ. The first response was God's response. God exalted Jesus in the first half of verse 9. The second response is God's response again. He exalted the name of Jesus in the second half of verse 9. The third response is this. All creation is to submit to Jesus. All creation is to submit to Jesus. And we see that in verse 10. Read with me in your Bibles verse 10. It says, So at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Let me read it again. What a triumphant verse. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Let me tell you what it's saying. Because God has exalted him and because God has exalted his name, all mankind should submit to him. Every knee should bow, and every tongue should confess. Uh, again, that, that quote is from Isaiah 45. Is, uh, Isaiah is writing to Israel, who at that moment are in exile in Babylon. He represents God as the only one who can save his people. To the Lord, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess to God. To bow your knee is to submit to God. And who should submit? Every knee should submit. Rich knees should submit. Poor knees should submit. Black knees should submit. White knees 
should submit. Young knees should submit. Old knees should submit. Male knees should submit. Female knees should submit. Jewish knees should submit. Gentile knees should submit. Your knee should submit. Your knee should submit to Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. This should be true in heaven. That's speaking of the angelic host. This should be true on earth. That's speaking to the multitude of mankind. That should be true under the earth. That's speaking to the hosts of hell. All knees in every place throughout all of time should bow before Jesus Christ. And that will happen in this age by choice or in the age to come out of compulsion. How do we apply that? Believer, because you are who Paul has in his sights as he writes this, you are to submit. To submit is to yield to the will or to the control of another. We submit to Jesus when we submit to his word. Do you know that there are 1,050 commandments to be obeyed in the New Testament. 1,050. Some are repetitions. You could probably whittle the list down to 800 or so. 800 demands for Christian obedience. And by this, we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, I'm not going to rattle off all 800 commands. We'll be here all morning. But maybe to say that all 800 commands are encapsulated by the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You became a Christian by faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from any works. Obedience to the commands of God is related to your Christian growth, to your Christian maturity. Faith is the root of salvation, and obedience is the fruit of salvation. Obedience flows out of union with Jesus Christ, and it is empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. Faith in Jesus always leads to a changed life. Submitting to Christ as Lord goes hand in hand with trusting Him as Savior. So examine your life. Do it right now. What does it look like? Is your knee bowing before the Christ? There are four Resurrection Sunday responses to the death of death in the death of Christ this morning. The first one was in that first half of verse 9. God exalted Jesus. And the second one was in the second half of verse 9. God exalted the name of Jesus. The third response is a response that comes from us. All creation is to submit to Jesus, verse 10. 
Here's the last response. All mankind is to confess Jesus. Verse 11. All mankind is to confess Jesus. Verse 11. Let me read verse 11 to you. Pay careful attention to it. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Let me tell you what it's saying. Because God has exalted him, and because God has exalted his name, all can confess him as Lord. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Should confess. This is a verb in verse 11, should confess. And it's a subjunctive verb, should confess. It means or it conveys possibility. It conveys potential. It may or may not occur. It is a conditional outcome. Friends, the door is open. Now is the time. Every tongue. All with no exception. Jesus was a Jew. But Christianity is not an Israeli religion. Christianity may have been brought to South Africa by Europeans, but Christianity is not a European religion. Christianity is the religion of every tribe and language and people and nation. Christianity is a religion of the whosoever will. The whosoever will. Who can be saved? Whosoever will. Jesus said, Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus said, Whosoever comes to me, I will never cast out. God commands all people everywhere to repent. Who can be saved? You can be saved. This very moment, you can be saved. Jesus died for your sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. You cannot save yourself from sin and death. And so you must believe in Jesus to save you. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is salvation in no one else For there is no other name in heaven among men by which we must be saved. Every tongue should confess. Friend, to confess is to agree. A confession of faith is a statement setting out essential religious doctrine. 
Verse 11 is the most basic confession of faith. Every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. God's word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And again, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Abandon your pride and in humility come to Jesus. Reject your flesh and flee to the finished work of the cross. Come to Jesus sinful as you are and let him wash you white as snow. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. May this Resurrection Sunday be the day of your salvation. The day that you experience the death of death in the death of Christ. May your anthem ever be, where, O oh death, is your victory. O oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.